0: Happy Thursday, everyone! Happy Week 15 and Happy Episode 28. I'm Claudia Bellafato. This is Joe Fan, and Joe Jacksonville is saved. Urban Meyer is out. We got the news late last night. Well, I'm happy. Are you happy?
1: There's so many funny layers to this Urban Meyer story, and I'm sad from the standpoint of the content was just on a weekly basis so good. It
0: was entertaining, but it
1: did crescendo. On Wednesday, starting with the kicker, Josh Lambeau saying that Urban Meyer kicked him at practice while he was in lunge position at one point, and he said, "Don't kick me." And Urban Meyer's response was, according to Lambeau, "I'm the head coach, or I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the f I want." This is a man who grinded on uh, a young uh, college coed. Got grinded on, but yes, yes. Yeah, got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the he was the the victim there. Yeah. Uh, after skipping his team flight back home after a Thursday night game, lost called his coaches losers and said, uh, "According to Aaron Wilson, that he had better coaches at Bowling Green. Never mind the fact that he hired Jacksonville's entire coaching staff himself. So I guess he's just like sort of dunking on himself for being a terrible evaluator of coaching talent. Uh, it's all just brilliant, and and, it, and now he's out. It, it's it is. I, I'm a believer that." Coaches shouldn't be fired after one year, um, barring super special circumstances. Barring the, everything, everything that he did yeah. since the
0: moment he got. And to the fact the that it franchise. lasted this long yeah. is pretty
1: remarkable because there's so many different instances that have come up that you've been like, "Yeah, you're probably pretty good at firing the guy." This guy at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, the owner Shad Khan came out and basically said he has to earn back our respect in order to stay here, and he did quite literally the opposite. So. And I, it's everything. I don't know.
1: It's <laughs> off the field. They're two and eleven on the field. Trevor Lawrence hasn't shown enough progression this year. That falls a lot on coaching. They've oddly benched James Robinson for Carlos Hyde. It's all very, very bizarre. Now he's come out and said that he wanted Kadarius Toney instead of Travis Etienne, and it's not his fault that Etienne got drafted their first-round pick. I think what's going to be interesting is the fallout from this. I would imagine you're going to hear old college Players that played for him come out and be like, "Oh yeah, he's a he's a dick. He did this. He did that. He did this, and all this is gonna start coming out. Because if he's if he's got the gall to kick a a professional player who's getting paid, imagine the power trips he was on when he was a college head coach. Oh yeah, where those kids are have no, you know, they don't know better. They're coming. They think this is just how it goes at a winning program,
0: and they don't want to say anything either because you know they're they're trying to make it to the NFL. The content was
1: so good. There was a tweet last night uh, that was like." it started with, you know, people don't think about the the personal side of things and how it, you know, affects people away from work and this and that and and, and everyone reading it is ready to just go after this guy of no, screw this guy, he deserved it. And it ends with uh it ends with, you know, now his wife has to spend more time with him. So like <laughs> thoughts and prayers to her. And it was like, Oh, okay, all right.
0: Yeah. You had me yep. in the first
1: half, but but it came through. So the content was good and we're going to miss the content, but, but hopefully also the, the, another layer to this is the line moved two points in Jacksonville's favor upon losing Which is their head coach.
0: Crazy.
1: There were three point favorites at home against Texans. And now it's five
0: people have that much faith that the Jags were being held back by Urban Meyer that much. That is so unfortunate. Honestly, though, I'm very excited to see Trevor Lawrence. I don't think we'll see that much of a difference yet with these few games left, but. I'd love to see what he's capable of with Urban Meyer not at the top.
1: Daryl Bevel, an interim head coach for the second straight season. I don't know how many people can say that in NFL history. (laughs) Last year it was the Lions, now it's the Jags.
0: So the Jags take their victory lap. Urban Meyer's wife takes uh, the L along with Urban. So let's take our victory lap and hold this L. I'll start. Man, was I wrong about the Cardinals. I was laying two and a half. Against the Rams, they lost 30-23. And the Cardinals had the advantage too. COVID is taking over the NFL right now. 100 cases since Monday. And we saw it with the Rams. Down four starters on the COVID list, including Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higbee. We found out right before kickoff, of course, me on the Cardinals. I'm like, oh, sweet. There should be no sweat, Good news, right? <laughs> no. The Rams played better, I think, from the very beginning. I didn't really have much faith throughout the game. Cooper Cup played stellar. Odell looks like he's finally mixing in with this offense. The defense looked good. Gave Kyler Murray hell, but I put a question mark on that because it's like one throw, I'm like, wow, this this kid can really throw the ball. He can sling it. And then the next, I'm like, what the hell did he just see there? <laughs> I, yeah. I can't figure him out.
1: Uh, it's an infuriating game from the Cardinals standpoint. They're now 0-2 on primetime, both against good teams. The Packers at home being the other, the, both of these games being at home. It goes to show you how crucial it is to get pressure on a quarterback. Chandler Jones, the the Cardinals' defensive line, was completely MIA. They only pressured Matthew Stafford 10 times. And we've seen now, you know, the way to get to the Rams, you pressure Matthew Stafford, he makes bad decisions, turns the ball over. We saw that during their three-game losing streak. Um, He was spotting teams' points in the first half, seemingly every game in that stretch. Kyler Murray, the first drive of the game, missed two wide-open go-balls, largely because pressure was in his face. He had balls tipped the line of scrimmage. Aaron Donald himself had 14 pressures. And so it makes such a difference is, you know, you see how much that impacts two really good offenses. One defensive line got home. One one didn't. Uh, And the turnover um, differential reflects that. So Mm -hmm. I still believe in the Cardinals. They've got a couple of tough games, not this week against the Lions, but then they've got uh, the Colts and Cowboys coming up. So they're certainly not out of the woods yet in the NFC West. Um, which is frustrating because I'm holding a a Cardinals NFC West winner ticket that I would love to cash given the all the futures that are going to lose for me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, frustrating game. I I luckily get a victory lap here. Uh, It was a sweat-free victory lap. I I took Odell Beckham Jr. over three and a half receptions at minus 140. This was, to me, a rent check bet. Uh, Not that I put a rent check on it, but I would have been just floored if this didn't hit given that he played every snap but one a couple of weeks ago against the Packers. You knew that the, the, the Rams were going to have to score in this game. They have a high-volume passing attack. A lot of it is shortened underneath. Um, and he cashed this in the second quarter. He had a big-time big, big time game, scored a touchdown,
0: yeah, he, a couple
1: of long receptions.
0: Like I mentioned, so he this looks was comfortable an easy out there. One. He looks like he's, he's, in, he's getting a little rhythm going. I know it's short sample size.
1: But well, it's just nice to see Odell look like Odell. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You look back to when he came into the league. He was the biggest show in town. I mean, it was Tom Brady and Odell Beckham. You have kids who have that haircut with the the frosted tips, and then I mean that's that's exactly it. And then he has the catch against the Cowboys on Sunday night football mm-hmm. that sends the, you know, internet ablaze and is still a meme. You know, anytime someone makes a one-handed it's catch, Odell catch, it's an Odell. Yeah. Where you yeah. have like getting mossed is like going up and taking it yeah. from somebody. The one-handed grab is Odell. James Connor did it on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, little, oh yeah. little Odell. Oh, Odell's standing on the sideline. He's looking at that. It's yeah. like, that's what we say. Yeah. And then he became completely invisible in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to see him relevant again with a good team. That offense is a lot of fun. You felt like at some point the Rams would, would show back up. Um, and, and they did. Uh, they looked good, man. On Monday night.
0: Yeah. That was, that was definitely a fun game. And uh, we got a few games to break down for week 15, which we'll get into. But before we do that, let's bring in an expert.
1: Yeah, we have a fun interview here this week. Staff writer at The Ringer, my guy Ben Solak. You can hear him on The Ringer NFL show and follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Talking all things week 15 in this wild NFL season. What's up, brother, man? How are you? It's great to have you here, and I really appreciate you taking some time.
2: I'm well, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to talk again. Way too gassy of an intro. No way I'm going to be able to live up to that, (laughs) but I'll do my best.
1: Dude, there's no way. It's all worth it. Uh, You are worthy of that acclaim. Uh, Let's chat about this season, man. We're... uh, 14 weeks in there's four to go. What is maybe when you look at it's what's happened so far, what you got right, what's been chalked, what maybe has surprised you and things that have gone differently, differently than you expected.
2: Yeah, no, the, uh, I'm going to have to look at these regular season, win total bets here in a couple weeks. And it's not going to be pretty, Uh, I'm with you a lot. Right. A lot of the truths, right? Like, Oh, Seattle always wins 10 games, right? Like double digits. That's, that's not going away. well, Turns out it is. Uh, And so I think certainly we expected, uh, you know, the NFC West to be that really, really strong division and the Cardinals to maybe be the team that falls out of it. And lo and behold, it's the Cardinals that are on top. To me, that's one of the biggest surprises, how well that defense is playing under Vance Joseph, who is a coordinator who always felt good, but not like a a real frontier pusher or a top echelon guy, he's been astounding. And obviously Kyler Murray probably would be league MVP if not for the time that he missed. And so that Cardinals performance is incredible. Really the division with all the parody is the AFC North. And I think that coming into the season, I wasn't as sold on, on the, the Bengals process and taking Jamar chase and being the super pass happy team. I wasn't as sold on Ben Roethlisberger having another year kind of in, in the, uh, in the hopper for in terms of his play, but both the CEOs and the Bengals are still sitting here with uh, angles on the wild card round, let alone maybe the divisional title, depending on Lamar Jackson's health. And so certainly I think we have some, some real big surprising teams. And then the biggest surprise of all has to be the Patriots, right? Like it was Belichick still there, but they have all these free agents and they got a new rookie quarterback. And we've never seen him without Brady. It's probably going to be good, but please let it not be. And then of course it was right. And now here they are sitting with the, the, the top odds to win the AFC. And that's, that that that's proof that for as much as may actually change year in a year out, some things stay consistent. That's always Bill Belichick in New England.
0: I'm not surprised, Ben, but I am a New yeah. England fan, so <laughs> I go. guess I have a little bias. Uh, you mentioned the parody. Joe mentioned the parody. When it comes to sports betting, that alone has made this season so difficult. Now you throw COVID into it. We've seen a hundred COVID cases. A hundred players tested positive just this week since Monday. How have you changed your approach to betting with not only the parody, but now COVID?
2: Yeah, it's funny. If you, if you find uh on my Twitter, you'll find a thread where like every Monday I was just dropping a few early bets that I was taking. Right. Cause we're always looking for, for good opening lines, good CLB. Mm-hmm. And then around week seven, week eight, it just stops.
0: Yeah. And that's because
2: we couldn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? You couldn't, go in and chase CLV because you're betting on, I remember it was the Packers Cardinals Thursday night game. And we just thought we were going to have Devonte Adams. And then we did it. You know what I mean? Like if you have these key players dropping out. You, you have to stop trying to look at those early lines. In my opinion, you can certainly look at them and figure out which ones you like and try to prognosticate movement as best you can. But chasing that CLV, taking those Monday, Tuesday lines was such a big part of how I went about things during the season. And that just has to go away. Cause you have to wait, for news you know greg roman just said for the ravens uh lamar is going to like come down to the wire like it's going to be literal game time decision well now we you know packers minus four and a half makes a lot of sense but we're gonna have to sit on that one until sunday at twelve fifty nine 59 eastern to really try to time it up as best we can and so you, you have to be a little bit more reactive you have to be a little bit later on lines and then the, uh, the other thing is i think where sports betting has always been going in the league is is looking at player props as a bigger market a market where there's uh an edge right now especially for people who have fantasy backgrounds who are able to prognosticate and able to get kind of that that expectation for yards or touchdowns or receptions or whatever it is when you have these inavailabilities, for me like as a as a scheme guys and x's and o's analyst, i get to look at a team like the chargers and say all right no keenan allen uh, Josh Palmer is going to play a lot more snaps, but Jalen Guyton's the downfield guy. And so I'm going to try to take some Jalen Guyton longest reception. And then lo and behold, we get like a 65 yard bomb from Herbert. It's a like, all right, That's the process that we want to see trying to figure out kind of how these absences trickle down in the scheme, how they're, how they're consumed by coaches and how that reflects on player props.
1: How long have you been dabbling in the sports betting world? And has that, has that itch become uh, more of a passion uh, in this, in these recent years?
2: Oh, 100%. I think, right, I started working in, in the field in terms of just covering the league about five years ago. And at that point, it's like, draft is cool, right? Uh, NFL coverage is cool. This is fun to learn about. It's fun to write about. But inevitably, you start seeing things in the framework of how likely is this team to beat that team or how likely they'd win by a lot or whatever. And, and you just put yourself into a betting paradigm, right? So you start saying, all right, how well can I do this? And if I'm spending all this time working, you know, to write articles and do podcasts about the league, I might as well take the skin I have in the game and see if I can actually make it something tenable. And then, you know, for that first year, you're a public better. And you're like, well, yeah, obviously this team's running on that team. So the favorite's going to cover. And then you learn how point spreads work. You're like I right, never mind, Undog- Underdogs cover sometimes you start to learn, you know, how certainty works, start to learn about totals. So I made a lot of mistakes early, but now at this point you start to settle into a-, a formula that works for you and an approach that works for you. Right. And so now, like I say, like I bet a lot more on player props than I used to. Right. I bet a lot more on like, totals and first half lines than i used to because now i understand what is sticky and what isn't what's predictable and what isn't and that's why you know one of the best things that you can do especially if you're like just getting into things as sports increasingly become legal like here in michigan with a ton more legal sports books over last year is learn what you can and can't take learn what you can predict and can't and, and, and be good at passing on lines that maybe you were right on but you didn't have the degree of certainty you want in order to take it
1: let's talk on about some of your work that you put out lately on the ringer and you've you've been um, just crushing it. And you put out a couple of mm. quarterback stories uh, that have sent Twitter ablaze. in terms of you've upset a couple of fan bases, man. I love when you go at your haters, uh, you've wrote, uh, you've wrote, you've written two stories, one on Zach Wilson, one deep dive on Tua uh, in terms of where their trajectories are headed. I, I'm just curious if you could just kind of run through those and maybe two quarterbacks right now that are headed in opposite directions.
2: Yeah. Uh, the, the Tua article, I really actually thought it was going to go decently well. I thought it was like, yeah, this, is, this one's fair, right? Uh, I wrote that, that the Dolphins have built a great offense for Tua. They've drafted the right players to help Tua. I wrote that the offensive line draft picks aren't working, but they're clearly trying to make the investment, and that's good. And overall, they're building a good offense for him. It's just he's a limited quarterback, and you have to understand that. And then Dolphins fans are like, why don't you talk more about the offensive line? Because the article's about Tua, man. Like, that's the assignment. I got to This is what the job is. Uh, but in general, the Dolphins built a really nice offense for Tua. And we, we've seen Jalen Waddle push that rookie receptions record because of how much he means to this approach. Now he's on the COVID list, right? Mm-hmm. This is why I want books to give me uh, props on, on average depth of target because Tua's eight out of that. Waddle's about to be like three but it doesn't matter. The, you know, they, they they've built a nice offense in terms of how it works for him. You get these high completion percentage games. You get these, these quick passes and they're able to generate yards after the catch and Just kind of stay ahead of the sticks. And that works for Tua. You'd love for it to be more than that. You'd love to have Will Fuller back and have better pass protection with your offensive line picks and get to push the ball a little bit further downfield, but that's never who Tua was. We have to remember when Tua left the Alabama offense and then Mac Jones replaced him, they became a lot deeper downfield passing team. So they, you know, that, that, infrastructure there, Nick Saban, that, those coaching staffs, there was obviously turnover, but those coaching staffs wanted more downfield shots with Mac. With Tua, it was quick game and RPOs. That's what he's going to be in the league. It's it's tough to have a really high caliber, extremely explosive offense in that model. You pretty much have to be like 2010's Drew Brees, but Tua's really smart and he's really accurate. He's really quick on his feet. And so there's a chance that they get a good offense out of that long term. It's just, if you were building it, knowing what you know now, you would have taken Herbert because he gives you the, the throws down the field.
0: So you admit that Mac Jones can throw the ball down the field because a lot of people keep saying he can't.
2: (laughs) So here's the thing. Here's the thing with Mac. Whenever we talk about quarterback velocity, we or quarterback arm strength, we tend to talk about it in one big bucket. There's Mm -hmm. different buckets. Mac does not have a zippy arm, right? When they played in the in the in the the cold weather game, right? There, the windy game there in in Buffalo, they did not let him throw it because he can't really cut that wind, right? He doesn't have that velocity. Doesn't have that zip since the day he started Alabama, Max has been chucking that thing 50 yards down the field, right? He doesn't have, like, 60 yards, 65 yards to his arm, mm-hmm. but he certainly has enough to, like, throw a nine ball, throw a deep post, and he throws it with good accuracy and good anticipation. Yeah, it's a little bit of, like, a lollipop. You know what I mean? It floats, it parachutes a little bit. Now, again, that's not optimal, but, like, you know, Baker Mayfield does that. Derek Carr does that a little bit. And Carr's got, like, a really strong arm. It's just, like, kind of how he throws his deep balls. Mm-hmm. And so he's always had that area of the field available to him. It's just when we talk about arm strength, we have to make sure we kind of divide it into the subsections that matter. So Matt Jones, you know, lacing a tight window throw, not as good. Matt Jones pushing the ball down the field, he's always been able to do that well.
0: We'll get uh, into Mac and the Patriots a little <laughs> deeper in a second here. But first, what you just did there is you broke down to defenses versus quarterbacks, which you do well. You put out an article on Pat Mahomes. You've done a little video series about how defenses have evolved against quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have a three-video series, so you can't go through it all. But give us kind of a snippet on what you found.
2: Right. Yeah, so we're about to see the best thing tonight in Thursday Night Football, right? Which is Brandon Staley, who kind of took the league by storm here with the Rams in 2020, going up against Patrick Mahomes, who's had his first bad season as a pro. In fact, very relative term here. He's been quite good. But in general, we've had a little bit of a step back from Mahomes. A lot of that has to do with defense is just fundamentally changing what matters to them, right? You talk to any defensive coach for the last few decades of football, and they say, well, in order to be sound, in order to be structurally sound, in order to know we can do our jobs, we have to make sure we play with as many bodies up in the box, up at the line of scrimmage to defend the run. Because if we don't have enough bodies to do that, there's going to run it on us forever. Well, offenses have decided to become pass first and not run first. So now defenses have to do the same thing. And now we see defenses taking that body out of the box and putting two safeties deep. Bills do this. Chargers do this. Uh, the Bears do this. The Packers do this. We're going to play with two safeties deep. We're going to be light in the box. And if you can run it on us for four quarters, go for it. But in general, we're just not going to let Mahomes throw forty-yard darts on us anymore. You're going to have to beat us in a different way, right? And so you have now this Chargers defense that forces Mahomes to play underneath, right? We've seen him be a much quicker thrower this year. It's all underneath stuff. Travis Kelsey, Michael Hartman, yards after the catch, Tyreek Hill, right? Clyde Edwards-Helaire gets a lot of targets because so they're trying to create all this stuff underneath. They can't really go deep anymore, right? What you need in order to be a functioning defense in the modern NFL is a fundamental shift in how you look at the game. If you decide, I'm going to stop the run, I'm going to be sound up front, you're going to lose because you're going to eventually run into Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers or Justin Herbert, and they're going to throw the ball all over the yard on you. And so you have to change what you decide to take away. And if teams can beat you with... 30 carries and 180 yards, then they can But at this point, this is what we have to focus on. We have to focus on these top quarterbacks and bringing them back down to earth.
1: Ben, let's get a couple of quick picks for me before we let you go. The the premier matchups mm-hmm. you mentioned, obviously, Thursday night football, Chiefs and Chargers, then this weekend, it's Patriots at the Colts. Patriots plus two and a half. Chiefs are uh, are minus three. Where are you at? Do you have picks for these games that maybe you're, you're going to be playing and betting on?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So I, I have the Chargers money line for tonight. And if... We like the Chargers money line, and they win this game, then they become over ninety percent chance to win the AFC West. And so you can get money line at like one seventy, one eighty, one ninety, but you can get AFC West futures at like two twenty, 220, two twenty five, gotcha. uh, and so that's plus money. Go for it. And to me, I think the Chargers have a good chance of, of taking the Chiefs for a ride tonight. This Chiefs offense looks better, but that's because they got to play the Raiders. The Raiders are Gus Bradley defense. That's uh, we're going to play box defense. That's not what we like to see. Uh, and, and I think that this Chiefs team is still a little bit shaky. I know that. Folks are a lot more confident in them over their performance of last month. I'm not as much. So I like the Chargers to cover. Uh, I like the Chargers to be able to win it outright as well. Uh, And then for that that Patriots-Colts game, it's very well-priced. It's a very difficult game to project, especially coming off of two buys. If there's a defensive coordinator in the league who's good at taking away what you do well, it's Bill Belichick. If there's an offensive coordinator in the league in terms of hitting what you do poorly, it's Frank Reich. So we're kind of nowhere on that, right? It's going to be strength versus strength, which is a really fun game to watch, but it's a tough game to handicap. Uh, If the Patriots stay around plus two and a half, I'll probably throw them in teasers because I don't see them losing by more than a possession. Uh, If I can get them at plus three, then I probably take the spread. Um, But I was really hoping this would open, you know, a little bit further along the line for the Colts. so I could take the Patriots right away. It seems like folks are pricing it correctly. So I like the Colts as a small favorite. I think that's the right line. So to me, Patriots and teasers is probably the best way to go about it.
1: Yeah, Colts games are hard to project because you just never know when that Carson Wentz (laughs) ill-advised shovel pass at the goal line is coming.
2: That's exactly what I said on the Wednesday show. I said, you take the Colts, man. You just got to pray that the strip sack comes with 524 left in the second quarter and not the fourth quarter because they can recover after that. They can't recover after the second one. As an Eagles fan, I've seen a lot of Carson Wentz. So he's a tough guy to trust for uh, for 60 minutes.
1: Ben, my guy, again, follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, staff writer at The Ringer. Hear him on The Ringer NFL Show podcast. Thank you so much, brother. Happy holidays to you. Uh, really good to catch up, man, and, and we're for, for, grateful for your time.
0: Thanks, Ben.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much to Ben, a reminder to all of you out there to follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Argyle, let's get into tail or bail. As always, we both have two games that we have our eyes on this week that we feel most confident in for week 15. And I'm going to let you go first.
1: I appreciate that. I'm going to go with the Cardinals minus 12 at the Lions. This is a game they have to win if they're going to continue their lead in the NFC West. I'm not worried about DeAndre Hopkins being out. James Conner also dealing with an ankle injury. I think he ultimately plays. I think they get Chase Edmonds back as well. This is the beauty of having an offense as balanced as Arizona's is that you lose new Hopkins, who has really had a a sort of a pedestrian year by his standards. Um, They don't have, it's not so much volume to him to where now all these targets are being spread around. It's already spread around. So now you get a little bit more for AJ Green, who's had a resurgent year. Uh, You get a little bit more for Christian Kirk, a little bit more for Rondale Moore. They're going to be just fine offensively. It's a bad Browns team. The Cardinals are 7-0 straight up and Mm 7-0 against the spread on the road this season. That includes a covering uh, by 16 points per game. In those contests, they also have signature road wins against Titans, Rams, Niners, and Browns. Not going to overthink this one. You have a really good team playing a really bad team, uh, and I think that they're going to win comfortably in this one.
0: Yeah, I agree. This is a kind of don't overthink it, and the Lions have nothing to play for, really. Just lost by 28 to the Broncos. I think the Cardinals have a very much better offense. Averaging the fifth most points a game, as you mentioned, great on the road against legitimate threats. And Kyler Murray comes into this just because I like to look at fantasy rankings. Sometimes comes into Week 15 as the number one ranked quarterback, and Jared Goff ranks 31st. So all around, they should win. Com- should comfortably win this game. Of course, it is a big, th- big spread. So the books seem to agree with us. But
1: we played that game last I'll week. Don't overthink it. Don't
0: and overthink it. And it worked it. Yeah, out. And it did. We went so four ho- now.
1: So hopefully, that same thought process.
0: I'm not going to overthink this it. Uh, this one, I put a little thinking to. And I mentioned this last week. I like to look at the matchups before I look at the lines and in my head kind of say which team I think should be favored and where the line should be set. And for this Bengals-Broncos game, I actually like the Bengals. I thought they should be favored. I'm getting two and a half at Broncos. Total set at 44. Both teams among five AFC teams right now tied at seven and six, fighting for a playoff spot. I think the key for the Bengals here is to just play clean football, limit the turnovers. And if they do that, they should win this game because I think they're the better team. Seventh in scoring offense versus the Broncos being 23rd. Joe Burrow is still a top 10 quarterback. Fourth best completion percentage, top 10 in touchdowns, a little bit of an issue with interceptions, but the better receiving core in the situation, one of the best running backs in Joe Mixon. And the Broncos can't rely on Teddy Bridgewater like the Bengals can rely on Joe Burrow if they have to. They're going to rely on the run game. They're going to rely on Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon as much as possible. And the Bengals have come a long way from last year where their run defense wasn't great. They're now fourth in the league against the run. So I think that they're just more balanced here. Again, I would take them as the favorite. And of course, the concern when we talk about the Broncos is their defense because they have a good defense. But if you look at their past four games, they lost to a pass-heavy team in the Chiefs and then lost by more than two touchdowns to the Eagles. So, they can get beat both on the ground and through the air. And for that reason alone, I like the the Bengals here.
1: Yeah, this to me, if you didn't take it, I would have taken it as well. Uh, so I'm going to tell you here, this comes down to the early part of the game. I, I don't the, the Broncos are not a team built to come back. If you can get
0: hmm.
1: a score or two on them early, I just don't see Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they want to run the football, and they want to run the football all the time with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been very good lately. And so they're, they're built to convert on third down, control the clock, mm-hmm. kind of ugly the game up a bit, get stops, stop you on third down, and win in sort of a low-scoring game. Get turnovers, capitalize on turnovers. But they can't win in a track meet. And the Bengals are able to, to be a team. That offense is high-powered enough to put things into a track meet. Uh, and so if the Bengals can score early, I think they win comfortably. If not, it's going to be more of a sweat than I think either of us want it to be. The Broncos are only 39. Or they rank 17th and third-down conversion percentage at 39%. But their wins, they've been much higher than that. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, their recipe is very obvious. Um, and if you can get them off that game script and into a negative game script... I think the, the Bengals should win comfortably. I agree. I would expect them to be favoring this game. This is surprising that two and a half, that you're essentially saying at a neutral site, this would be, you get three points, you know, usually for being the home team. Yep. Um. This would be a pick em. And I agree with you. Uh, the Bengals have been much more impressive all season long. The, the Broncos have certainly been Jekyll and Hyde. And uh, I'd like to go with the Bengals here as well. Um, final I, thought on that?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the issue too is the Bengals look so inconsistent, but... They're coming off of two losses to two good teams in the Niners and Chargers, right? Both of those were at home. They actually play better on the road. But then you mentioned the Broncos' wins. Five of them have again been against the Giants, the Jets, Detroit, Jacksonville, and a banged-up Washington football team. So we definitely have to look at the resume here, and I think that just kind of adds on to our argument for the Bengals.
1: I'm with you. If they can avoid the turnovers, there's no reason why they shouldn't win that game, even though they're on the road. Uh, I'm going to go with the Titans. Minus one at the Steelers. It opened at uh, Titans minus two and a half. Uh, it's been bet down to one. I'm still taking the Titans in what is essentially a pick'em now, and I'm happy to do so. Got Julio Jones back. Um, we saw, I mean, I guess, Urban La- Meyer's last uh, salvo getting uh, shut out by the Titans, so you don't take mm-hmm. a ton from that. But I'm just going to continue on this train of the Steelers aren't a very good football team. And yeah. they're banged up. Uh, T.J. Watt is banged up. Big Ben is just perpetually... Banged up. He's got a right shoulder injury, which that shoulder's already limited in general in terms of what he's able to <laughs> do throwing the football. T.J. Watt also limited. We know how important he is to you know certainly their MVP, but but also a defensive player of the year candidate. Steelers are two and five against the spread at home. Titans still all to play for in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Potentially that number one. We kind of forget about them as you know yeah. once they suffered all those injuries, they lost eric Henry. You're saying, all right, well, you're not really thinking about the Titans anymore. Well, they're still tied for first place in the AFC, potentially the number one seed in the conference. So this game means a ton for them. Uh, and the Steelers make games ugly. And so even when they were down 23-0 against the Vikings, they find a way, they found a way to make me sweat. Yeah. So I'm sure this won't be sweat-free. But gosh, how many bets are? Not many. Uh, yeah. So I'm still happy to take Titans minus one and uh, pay the Steelers.
0: I agree. I don't think I... I'm ever going to bet the Steelers again because I put them in that teaser last <laughs> the other week and I don't need to sweat Big Ben. Uh the only concern here for me is the Titans offense has been struggling to score a little bit in the last 5 games averaging just over 17. But I see them coming out of this slump. They're among the top teams in ter- in terms of rushing offense and this Steelers team has one of the worst run defenses and it's the opposite case on the other side of the ball so they have an edge both on offense and defense there. And resume-wise, they've beat good teams. Rams, Colts, Bills. They blew out the Chiefs. Steelers' resume is really nothing to, to gawk at. So, kind of a more stay away, just because I don't know how much I can trust either team. But I definitely think the Titans are a better team here. If it's just a point, I think I'd lay it.
1: Don't I'll, gawk I'll at you. it. Don't gawk. I like that word choice here on a Thursday. You know what? I don't
0: really, like, know where that— I don't know where that came from. I like it. that's a word, isn't it? Oh, for Stock. sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think I've ever used that word before.
1: But... Proud of you.
0: First time for everything.
1: Vocabulary I- I'm expanding. Gonna... <laughs> just without no, you just, yeah. That's good. That's good stuff right there.
0: I'm wicked smart.
1: Wicked.
0: I'm gonna smart. lay five and a half with the Packers at Ravens. Packers opened at three, so it's been bet to five and a half. Total opened at 45 and a half down to 43 and a half. Packers can clinch the NFC North title with a win here. An NFL best ATS record right now, 11-2. Even if Lamar Jackson plays because he's questionable right now with an ankle, I like the Packers here. Either way, not only is Lamar banged up, but his numbers have taken a dip. 16 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, one of the worst ratios in the NFL. Not a good completion percentage. And we know what makes him special is his legs. Well, if he's banged up, the ankle's not gonna help. And the Ravens have allowed an NFL-worst 47 sacks. So not only is he having to do literally everything on his own, but he's not getting any help from his O-line either. Aaron Rodgers on the other side, very different story. 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the last three games, leads the NFL in passer rating. And this is a good matchup for him because the Ravens' run defense has been well, has been playing well, but they're giving up the most passing yards, second most passing yards, excuse me, a game. So I see an edge for the Packers on offense, but also on defense, Top 10 in rush yards per game allowed. And another key, which I don't think we talk about enough, is they're just playing really clean football. Second best turnover differential, second fewest penalties a game. And when it comes down to it, that can really win you a game. I don't see any edge for the Ravens here. So I'm going to lay under a touchdown with the better team.
1: Special teams, I guess.
0: Special team aside from with Anything teams, but, but special
1: uh, in Green Bay. No, I, yeah. I, I agree with you here. It doesn't matter if Lamar Jackson plays. So. That offense has been broken for a while. If, if you take away a game where they scored 34 points against the Vikings, before that in week seven, you got to go back to week seven uh, in October. It feels like a lifetime ago. Mm. Scored 17 points against the Bengals. They go on their bye week. They come back. They beat the Vikings 34-31 in a shootout. They go to Miami on Thursday night, only scored 10 points on primetime. 16 on the road. Uh, granted, that, wasn't, that was without Lamar. Tyler Huntley started that game, but still just 16 points against the Bears. Uh, on the road. Come back home uh, and play the Browns and score just 16 points. And again, Lamar Jackson had four interceptions in. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, they scored just 19 against them on the road and then on the road again against the Browns. They managed 22. A lot of that late, I would say garbage time, but they still had a chance to win that game given they recovered the onside kick. I just don't think you can bet on the Ravens offense. and and I I would never bet on the Ravens defense. Anytime good defense versus good offense, I, I would take a good offense every time and Aaron Rodgers certainly is a guy I don't want to bet against and be like well the Ravens have, they've have been playing all right but Aaron Rodgers is next level reigning MVP potentially the MVP again well it's going to be Tom Brady but in the, in the hunt at least so yeah this is an easy pick for me as well whether Lamar plays or not I would actually suggest getting this play in as soon as possible because if it does get announced that Lamar is out which yeah. on Friday is when officially injury reports I'm guessing he's going to be listed as questionable it'll be a game time call yeah my gut says he plays, but just in case he doesn't, and his line's not going down. No. I mean, it started at, what, three? Now it's at five and a half. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a better line than it is right now at five and a half. So get that ticket in uh, and take the Packers. Another great teaser opportunity there, too, to get it to a pick'em. But But uh, I'm telling you there.
0: I'm trying to see right now money. Yeah, 92% of the money is on Green Bay right now. So yeah, I don't see that sense. changing anytime soon, especially if Lamar doesn't play. Good point, Joseph. All right, let's get into Thursday Night Football. Neither of us have uh, a side here, unless you have changed your mind since we last spoke, but let's break down this game anyways. Chiefs laying three at Chargers. Total opened at 50, now up to 52. Two top 10 scoring offenses, both tied for eighth in scoring, both pass-heavy elite quarterbacks. It'll likely come down to defense, like most of these matchups do, and we all know the Chargers' weakness is their run defense. Their pass defense, though, ranking fourth best, while the Chiefs' defense is allowing... Just 10 points per game during a six game win streak. Very different than the team we saw six weeks ago. But how much do you trust this Chiefs defense, Joe?
1: I think it's less about not trusting the Chiefs offense, which is weird to say. Hmm. I like the Chargers here, getting points. Um, and I'm going to put them in a teaser as well to tease my winning pick coming up. Outside of two blowout wins against the Raiders, they've scored 22 against the Broncos, uh, 20 or some of that was a pick six. They only scored one touchdown in that game. Offensive touchdown. 19 against the Cowboys, 13 against the Packers, 20 against the Giants, and 3 against the Titans. That's all the way back again to week 7 back in October, which I'll repeat, feels like a lifetime ago. This Chiefs offense isn't the Chiefs offense that we've seen of old. To a degree, teams have figured them out to where they aren't able to just march up and down the field at will. The explosives have been limited. Tyree Kill has been much more pedestrian this year than he has been in years past with games that are just total duds i like the chargers here uh without Rashawn slater and chris jones in this game it's a big deal for both teams but i think it's advantage chargers because we've seen what that chiefs defense looks like without chris jones and with chris jones and he really is the catalyst and has been the catalyst for their defensive turnaround which was the worst in the league and now one of the best over the you know the second half of the season so uh, i like the chargers here it should be a great game uh, we, we're usually getting terrible matchups on Thursday nights and, and now we get a really good one. So I'm um, excited to watch this one and I'll be on uh, not San Diego. San Diego Los <laughs> Angeles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think I agree with you. San
1: Diego. Um,
0: if I had to. Superchargers. Okay. you heard you... that song before? I haven't. Do you want to continue those? That's actually no? all I know. All right. <laughs> it
1: might just be repeating that over and over again.
0: Okay. Uh, I think I would tell you if, if this was part of the Taylor Bell segment, I would probably tell you you're getting the points just because, although the Chiefs are on their little streak right now, I still don't fully trust them. Again, I'm not playing this game. But if I were, I would, I would take the points with the Chargers. Maybe put them in a teaser. Love it. For our promo, bet five to win $400. New win bet accounts only. <clears throat> bet $5 in any spread total or money line. Minus 120 odds or greater. Get $400 in free bets if the bet wins. Two winning picks, we go and Joseph, my friend, you're on fire. Finally. But that means <laughs> finally, finally, and I'm not. But that means we're gonna see a little switcheroo here because that's what happens. You go on a cold streak, you get hot.
1: Oh, sounds you like you're sounds off, like <laughs> you're rooting against me, which is
0: rude. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But we all know how I started the season, 0 and 4, and then I went on a little heater, and you know, right now I'm 1 and 3, but that's fine. Joe really is doing great, 3 and 1 up two. Point two five units. Congratulations, Joe. And for that, I'm gonna let you go first. And my
1: one time. loss is the damn Vikings losing to the Lions, which <laughs> no, I'm not over yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna go for the Christmas miracle. Whoa. Five teams, six-point teaser at plus four hundred Patriots, plus eight and a half against the Colts. Chargers, San Diego, Los Angeles Super Chargers, plus nine Cardinals, minus six. The Cowboys minus four and a half, and the Bengals plus eight and a half. You get plus 400 odds there. I just kept, I looked at all of them. I like, I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. You could throw the Packers in here at a pick em to get it to, I think about plus 600 if you want to make it a six team six point teaser. You're crazy. Tis the season, and I believe in a Christmas miracle. That's my winning pick.
0: You're crazy. You're and crazy. I, I actually did the same thing. And Nuts. I, and I did it, and we were talking with our producer, Jeremiah, earlier when I was looking at the slate. I said, I'm just going to put in a bunch of teasers right now because it doesn't really matter when it comes to COVID who comes out because they could come out two minutes before kickoff. So I actually put in a few teasers. Good week for teasers. The one I'm sticking with, though, is the Patriots, Bengals, Texans. Six point three team teaser at plus 140. The top seed in the AFC is the dog and my team. I'm going to take them with over a touchdown plus eight and a half against the Colts. The Colts win when they run successfully. Bill Belichick knows this. They've been studying film on Jonathan Taylor. They've been watching Hard Knocks, which is just adorable. I love Bill for that. Um, and Mac is going to step up because everyone keeps saying that they don't trust Mac Jones with the football. Relax, watch Bill Belichick go 10-0 and against the Colts. Thank you. Bengals getting eight and a half at Broncos. Bengals are gonna try and do what Bill is doing. Stop the run, force Teddy Bridgewater to outplay Joe Burrow, which I don't think he will. I know the Broncos' defense has been good, but I see advantages for the Bengals on both sides of the ball. And the gross game, the third leg, why not? Texans now getting 11 at Jags, which I kind of want to be on the other side now because I want the Jags to just get a great win here, which they can still win. I'm getting 11 points. The Texans won the matchup in week one by 16. Davis Mills now starting in place of Taylor. Doesn't really matter to me. Davis Mills has actually not looked bad. Over seventy-one completion percentage in his past two starts, three touchdowns, just one interception. Trevor Lawrence continues to struggle. Urban Meyer out might be the push he needs, um, but I'm going to go the better of the two worst teams in the NFL.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I want you to win your pick. I want me to win my pick, but it would be hysterical if the Jags came out and just boat race the Texans by like twenty-one without Urban Meyer.
0: It would be great, hysterical. Yeah,
1: I like it though. Good stuff. This is our last show before Christmas, so we get to say Merry Christmas to all of our. And faithful. happy Hanukkah
0: and happy holidays, right? <laughs> you got to cover all the bases.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hanukkah's over, but yes, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> you can uh,
0: still say it, right?
1: For sure. Yeah. I just We're taking a little Christmas break. We're going to be back Monday the 27th.
0: Yes, but we'll be throwing out some fun social stuff, so don't worry. Make sure you're following us. We haven't done this in a while. In a while. At Fato TV and at Joe underscore
1: underscore fan. Underscore
0: fan. I
1: thought. Damn, Joe fan was taken. That put the <laughs> underscore in there.
0: You need a more complicated name, Joe. I'm kidding. Actually, Claudia Ball it was taken too, so I feel you. All right, everyone. That's episode 28. Merry Christmas.
2: Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy
0: holidays. Happy Hanukkah.